0: Beer
1: It Is is a CSPN Media podcast production. Please visit our website at cspn.us for more episodes of the Beer It Is podcast and for ways to keep our podcast free for you.
2: All right, boys and girls. Hello. My name is Tobias Woolborn. The name of the marquee is beer. It is. We are here in the ATL. I guess you consider this midtownish, buckheaded and in between area. But we're at Red Brick Brewing Company. I call them the oldest and the coldest because they are that in Atlanta. Been around now for 25 years, right? 24. 24, excuse me. They just celebrated the 24th anniversary, and the beautiful Bearded Beauty voice that you just heard was other than Gavin McKenna, who is the head brewer over here. Is a head brewer brewmaster? I know some people get funny about that.
0: Yeah, sure. No, I, my title here is Director of Brewing Operations. Dire- oh, fancy. I know, I know, very formal, right? Very fancy.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I guess, you know, you got uh, my man back here, all corporate and stuff,
0: so I like that,
2: Director of Brewing. So tell me what, what that title means to you,
0: man. Yeah, well, I think that you look at countries that have a long brewing history and titles like brewmaster are things that are earned and that we we really want to want to respect and for me director of brewing operations really gives a description of what what my job is uh it's to kind of oversee all the work that goes from grain to glass in the brewery here here, and to have my head on top of all the other departments
2: so man let's let's get into you a little bit man before you came here you were at wrecking bar wrecking bar to me is one of the premier. Beer establishments in the southeast, if not the country. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that experience
0: was like working over there with uh, Neil Engelman and the crew. I mean, Neil Neil is one of my best friends, in, not just in beer, but in in this city, and you know, as a personal friend as well. And uh, he's been incredibly supportive of me and and my development, as well as Bob Sandage, the owner over there. Shout out to Bob, Steve, man, and, and to Stevenson as well, the GM over there. They've all been really awesome to me and allowed me to develop. Um, you know, I, I got into beer as a home brewer and I was looking for a place where I could learn the ropes and learn from someone that I respected and have an opportunity to get into the industry. And, you know, I, I started bussing tables at Wrecking Bar and wow. went through that whole process of being, being a server there and trying to get in a little bit behind the bar and learn what that was about. And then moving into the brewery and going through those rungs on that ladder to get through. Dude, to the so that was in. a hell of a grind. So you came in, you were home brewing. What was the first thing you brewed on, man? The first time I brewed, um, so I'm from Boston. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I was gonna my, ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we're so gonna get into that. A good, a good friend of mine up there. His father has been a, into home brewing forever, and so right when I got out of college and moved back to the city, we were hanging out and just watching football, and we thought it would be kind of fun to get in on the equipment because my my friend's dad had all of it, and so we started doing partial extract batches, you know, the, that partial grain stuff. And then um, yeah, a couple weeks later, I just kept bugging him about it, and he just didn't have the same enthusiasm I did. So I said, forget it. I'm just going to go out and buy a five-gallon set myself. Wow. And so I started just, you know, going from there and so learning what, all you, grain and all that.
2: So you were a month into, like, home brewing, Mm-hmm. And like you said, so you're
0: using some extracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> what were those beers like? They weren't good. I mean, but, you know, it's funny because <laughs> when, you, when you execute a beer for the first time at home, you're just so amazed that it tastes like beer. Right. that it's just the most exciting thing in the world. And so for me, we sat down and we drank that first beer and we just couldn't believe that it actually tasted like an actual <laughs> beer. The science so,
2: project worked.
0: Yeah, and the palate that you develop in the industry is, is not the same as the palate you have when you're 23 and learning to brew. Nice. Um, so that was really exciting. You know, now, I mean, knowing what I know now, those beers were not good. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that they tasted anything like a commercial beer at all in the sense that they're carbonated and made with malt, was pretty exciting so, that, the, the, so the first maiden voyage was a win of sorts yeah. for
2: that time period mm-hmm. in your life and then from there you go to the five gallon system
0: sure what was that like man it was great i mean just to have the freedom to to brew beer when i wanted to brew it and to have control over recipes and i can tell you this i go back and look at my old notes there's some pretty poorly formed and gross recipes <laughs> in there too. i'll be honest about that but um I think that's how everybody learns. That's how you learn what ingredients taste like and in what percentage they're best used. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of bad beer, some drinkable beer, and some ideas that i'm proud to say i got to carry into my professional life
2: tell me one of those beers those bad recipes man those are always
0: fascinating stories to me one of those when you're like oh my god how the hell
2: did i come up with that
0: easy yeah my brother made one that we he put a recipe together and he did it all based on names so he liked victory malt he liked warrior hops all these things that they just had cool names to them and we put it into a beer and it was it was disgusting
2: because none of those things, but as you learn now, as you start to read more right, and learn more right. and do stuff, you're like, well, victory malt and this hot probably wouldn't work well together. No,
0: no, of course, <laughs> right? And I mean, some of that stuff is about, you know, specialty malts and the percentage you use them in. And, and this was early early enough on that I, you know, I just kind of let them have reign of it because I right. didn't know enough to say yes or no to certain things. But no, it was, it was a terrible beer. You know, right, right. No so then what was the first good beer you brewed? Yeah, sure. Um I would say the first good beer I brewed was the first beer that I tried to be less complicated with my with my recipe. Funny how that works. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a, I had this idea for, for a Blondale that would use uh, honey and basil. And, um, and just kind of thinking about using honey and basil and incorporating them, I, I just wanted to make the, the grain bill and the hop schedule very simple. Hmm. And... Um, Sure enough, you know, as soon as I stopped trying to do too much and started to focus on other aspects of my brewing, that really changed the quality of the beer.
2: see so look at you, you get from, like, putting together bad beers to now knowing what a hop schedule is, now knowing what grain bills are.
0: And so what were you reading at that time? you reading were you... Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, I've always been really into the homebrew magazines. You know, I think that especially for homebrewers, there's a lot to learn there. Mm-hmm. It's always cool to kind of see what a commercial recipe looks like on a homebrew scale. Guys will all, you know, brewers do that all the time. That was a cool thing for me to be able to put a recipe in BYO. That was a big deal. Nice. Um, but, you know, also, um, I think I think it's always important to continue your professional development regardless of the level that you're at, you know. Um, any of the brewers publications books are a huge resource uh there's there's a huge wealth of information on the internet and i mean just the amount of literature there is out there by respected people in the american society of brewing chemists and other organizations is pretty amazing awesome guys listen to another place we can learn about beer each and every week here on
2: be it is on the CSPN Network, my name is Tobias Wilburn. We're here at Red Brick Brewing. I call them the oldest and the coldest brewery in Atlanta with the man, Kevin McKenna, Director of Brewing Ops. <laughs> that is really cool, man. So, shout out to Gary for giving the cool title and bringing it along. So, speaking of that, like, what was it like meeting with him and kind of coming
0: along to Redbrick, leaving Wrecking Bar, which had to not be easy. Yeah, it was it was, it was scary. Uh, you know, Wrecking Bar is a seven-barrel brew pub. And, and so to me, when I started there, that was just an unfathomable amount of beer. And even brewing in 30-barrel tanks, you know, that, that was pretty scary. It's a lot of right. investment in product, and you want to make sure that it comes out right and everything tastes proper. Um, and you know, coming in here, talking to Garrett about this position and the opportunity, this is a 50 barrel brewery and we're filling hundred barrel tanks. And so just the, the <laughs> a little st- bit more, a just few the more scale hops, of it, here. right. You know, a lot of, a lot of stuff translates. Some stuff doesn't translate. And so there's a learning curve associated with that. It's about relying on a really good team that's already in place here and trying to work with them to just make common sense, good changes to, to increase the, the quality of the beer we're producing. So, Okay, for the audience, by the way, so I got an interesting mix
2: of audience. I get people who are brewers, home brewers, commercial brewers, also get people who are very new into beer. So, kind of explain it as layman terms as you can that seven barrel system walking up to now going to a 50 barrel brew
0: house. Sure. And what that means. Uh, So, you know, a a barrel is a brewer's measurement, Uh, it's 31 gallons. And so that's, that's kind of how we quantify when we're talking in, in beer. With the sales guys, they'll talk about cases and case equivalents because right. that makes more sense for them. But for us, we are always talking in barrels. That's our unit that's of That's what we make. Yeah, yeah. that's what you make. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, obviously just the, the factor, the multiplier between 7 and 50 being what it is. But you can imagine just the amount of grain that it takes to create a beer that will have 5% alcohol content on those sides of systems is very different and some of, the, some of the ways that get supported in things, like the way you receive grain. Instead of mm. receiving 55-pound bags of grain, now we're getting bulk silo fills that are be, filling the grain with thousands of pounds. Whew. And so, you know, some of those systems here uh, are just operating on a much larger scale to make that type of brewing possible.
2: That had to be a lot of, like, reading and learning and just developing. Hey, But you guys had also brewed a collab beer here before, mm-hmm. right? So what was that like kind of coming in before you even knew you'd be working here? kind of brewing on the system.
0: Is this the first big system you brewed on? Well, so when I brewed here with Steve, we just brewed on the Sapco. So we were brewing on the small batch system. Okay, okay. So, you know, the first first day I came in here and saw the big system operational, I'd been here um, when these guys were working and when they were brewing on the big system. And so I had some general idea of of what the differences were between how this place worked and how my old place worked. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, just to see it in action, it's it's just a lot more volume. you know, A lot more water that has to move around. Larger systems for hot water heating. uh, Larger systems for for cold water storage. All of that stuff just kind of factors in.
2: And, by the way, you mentioned Steve. uh, Steve Anderson, who was the head or director of Brewer Ops here before. Mm -hmm. He is now at Dry County. We're actually getting up there next week, so it's going to be kind of an interesting week. It's kind of like my next three shows are going to be here with you this week. Next week with Dry County. Then we're finally getting with a record Bar. So, awesome. The, the family of oh, Gavin McKenna. Yeah, that's all, all just kind that, of coming
0: together. That's here. all my family. <laughs> I'm glad to be the linchpin between those places. Anyone that hasn't been up to Dry County, you have to go. Steve's Man. doing a great job up there, and he's he's a really supportive and great friend to me personally, and then all the guys in this building as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, I
2: saw these guys at Red Brick's anniversary, which mm. was a week or two ago, and it's interesting seeing like the lineage of Red Brick. All kind of being here, and also Wrecking Bar, is all you guys kind of hanging out and supporting each other, man. What's that like?
0: Getting that love and seeing that love. I mean, this community is is one of the more special things that I've had the chance to be a part of. I think that um, I think that what makes this industry unique is the willingness of people to to help each other and to be a, be a resource for each other. And I mean, I, I'll tell you, man, there's just so much opportunity to, to make friends in this industry and to find respect for peers and, and Steve and Neil are great examples of that those are guys that you know I think we're talking about doing a beer together in the near future and oh nice man. But, um, but we, we just we love hanging out we love brewing beer we love talking beer and um, it's it's a special thing to be part of that kind of fraternity of people that do that. And I could imagine you all guys as like young guys, like kind of
2: coming up. You busted tables and just kind of like wanting to live that dream.
0: Yeah, I got lucky. You know, I found the right situation, and I got I got in with a bunch of people that could really show me the way that is really proper to do things. And I'm super grateful for that. I, you know, I I, I know that that's not. A common opportunity is the right. one that I got. You know, those guys all came up together, too. They all know each other from the homebrew days way back when. Nice. You know, Nick Tanner from Cherry Street and Steve up at Dry County. Right. Angel. All those guys know each other from homebrew competitions from way back. So they've been very hospitable to let me come down from the north and crash their party. It,
2: it is fascinating seeing Nick Tanner. I saw those guys up at GABF. And, yeah, and yeah. seeing what they're doing. And Incredible. guys that They stuff. Just, the Georgia growth. But real quick, let's get into this beer that we're both partaking upon right now sure introduce it to the audience and kind of walk us through it
0: a little bit what we're doing right now is the penguin pale ale which is a fun a fun little beer i'm super proud of it this is the first beer that i got to design from start to finish it started as a concept for me and then we walked all the way through to executing nice um it's a beer that is 80 percent base malt and 20 percent flaked oats um Mm -hmm. you know give it a little bit of that fluffiness and mouthfeel That allows it to have that palatability that it has. Right. Um, And then we're doing a generous hopping of Denali, Citra, and Crystal. Nice, you some pineapple yeah, up that front. The juicy that everybody seems to like. A yeah, bit. yeah. I, I d- hate using that term, but you know, I try hard to avoid buzzwords. But it's okay. I mean, yeah. you know, once you have the beer in your hand, it's your beer. You get your beer call, <laughs> it whatever call you what want. you want. Yeah. to. You.
2: that's no problem. Oh, well, what would you prefer to call, other than haze or juicy?
0: Like, I, I, give
2: me some words, like some
0: sure. other words. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm seeing right now is I think that there's a shift, right? Instead mm-hmm. of you know, I think about a, a classic pale, and I love classic pale. I think about like Sierra Nevada pale. Oh yes, my, Desert Island beer, right? Mm-hmm. And that beer is a balance between essentially bitterness and caramel malt character, right? You have that balance between those two things and it presents really beautifully. And that's the classic American pale ale. Um, What I'm seeing happening now is a lot of people, and not everybody, but a lot of people are shifting towards this idea of how can we balance hop aromatics with palatability and create a different balance in that same style of beer. And so with that in my mind, I think of this as more of what I like to call a contemporary pale ale. Um, or a new age paleo, something that's more along the lines of pursuing balance, not Mm -hmm. pursuing any kind of overwhelming flavor that would overwhelm another part of the beer, but pursuing a balance of different aspects of that beer than what you'd traditionally look for. Wow, and that's this beer is also for a good cause. Yeah, we, this is our second beer. So if anyone thought the name Penguin Pale Ale seemed like an interesting thing for us to name it, we are actually uh, partnering with the Georgia Aquarium for a series of beers, which in addition to uh, being a lot of fun for me, because I get to go around and create a couple different recipes a year that gives me a chance to stretch my creative legs, uh, this this beer does donate a portion of proceeds to conservation and research and I believe marine habitats, which is super nice. cool, to support some of those missions the aquarium has.
2: And anytime you can get your beer on at the Georgia
0: Aquarium,
2: yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it has to be pretty cool, right? <laughs> it's
0: fun, man. The other day, I was uh, I did a little uh, little. Photo shooting tasting those videos so i was getting to hang out in the aquarium when they were closed drinking a beer in front of the penguin exhibit wow. and i was like you know what life does not suck this is kind of fun yeah. <laughs> and it's cool i'll tell you another
2: place where life doesn't suck here on beer it is on the cspn <laughs> network guys we have so much more to talk to gavin about we're going to talk about this beer we're going to talk about another traditional beer that's kind of been switched up a little bit and we're going to taste a few things that gavin's going to pick out for us stick and stay we'll be right back here it is
1: Hey, everyone. This is your man, Jeremy, from the Crown and Collars podcast. Just reminding you that you are listening to a CSPN media presentation and to check out Crown and Collars every Wednesday so we can tell you what your aunt does when you're not around.
2: Right, boys and girls welcome back to beer it is on the CSPN network my name is nubias Woolborn, and today i'm at Red Brick brewing i call them the oldest and the coldest here in the atl been around 24 years has recently celebrated their 24th anniversary so shout out to them being the longest continuous running operating brewery in the state of georgia setting standards and trends and Bringing it back a little bit, kicking it old school, but also playing it forward. I am here with my man, Gavin McKenna, who is the director of Brewing Ops. Gavin, man, thanks again for joining us, man. So happy to be here, man. Thank you for thinking of us and taking the time to chat beer. Uh, This is beautiful, man. So, and speaking of that, now we get to my favorite segment of the show. We get to try a few wares from the brewery app. We started out with the Penguin Mm Pale. Good sipping beer. What's the ABB on that beer? I just kind of want to make sure people kind of understand what's going on with that one. 5.7. Nice. That is definitely in the sessionable
0: range. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ishish, you know. Yeah, we're about to drink something that's a little bit more in that sessionable range too. This next beer we're talking about is about 5.2. Nice. So let's
2: get there. We're going to go with the ESB.
0: Yep. Yep. Why ESB as I
2: sip and then we talk?
0: Sure. Uh, you know, for me, an ESB is is kind of that, that classic Ooh, pub beer. This is nitro,
2: too, right? Oh, Excuse yeah, me. Yeah.
0: I, I, I didn't mean to just cut them off <laughs> there, but you know, this beer really caught me there.
2: The head on that thing is real nice and foamy, man, real crazy. yeah, Yeah,
0: yeah. We did, a, we did a nitro treatment on this, and this started as a conversation with our sales director, who was kind of talking, hey, you know, what if we could do something to help support some of these accounts that really are looking for nitro handles? What if we could find a beer that really was kind of all about flavor and subtlety that maybe wasn't a stout and we could have something that would surprise people coming out of a nitro tap. So this beer has a really pretty amber color to it. Um, we actually did this beer as a barrel fermentation. You know, so we, we did some first-use whiskey barrels, and we'll talk about this beer in a minute, but we did yes. a vanilla porter in those barrels. And nice. once we moved it out, we, didn't, we felt like the barrel still had something to give us. And so we put this ESB wort in there and let it ferment in there. So there's this really cool kind of integrated oak and honeycomb character that supports some of the British crystal malts in there. And that's that's a really fun piece of it. To me, an ESB is just that classic pub beer, you know, that... Five percent alcohol beer with a nice kind of English old school hop character to balance it out, and some really lovely British crystal malts in there to to really give you a balance between. Like we were talking about in the earlier segment about a balance between you know that hop bitterness and that and that really lovely. Jeez, man.
2: Okay, so guys, first of
0: all, this beer is
2: pretty, dude. I mean, and I'm not just saying that you guys know me. You guys listen to the show. When you hold up to the light, you can see right through it. It's clear. It's pretty. But then when you sip
0: on it, it has so much complexity, man. How would you get all that complexity in here, man? I think a lot of it's just about the, the barrel fermentation that we did. You know, we, we expressed that yeast a little bit more than we do normally at a little bit of a higher fermentation temperature. And we allowed, we allowed those barrels to do what they wanted to do. I think one of the cool things to explore with fermenting in a barrel isn't just the amount of oak or the amount of spirit character that it gives you. These were whiskey barrels, so maybe you get a little bit of that kind of subtle marshmallow from that charred oak and the whiskey. Mm. but also just the geometry of that barrel. What's the amount of hydrostatic pressure that's going down on that yeast as it's fermenting, the amount of headspace versus the volume of beer, some of those things that have to do with how the yeast expresses in that unique environment and how that kind of gives you that proper ester character to make the beer delicate. So will this be something you guys will continue to do? I, because I, I don't see too many barrel age ESBs, man. So well, it's funny, you know. I, I maybe two months a barrel ago, fermented, I, excuse me. Two months ago, I probably would have said I don't. I don't think so. But we've had such a positive response to this beer that I I would be foolish to not try to give the people what they want from me. You know, right? <laughs> well, I
2: mean, that's gonna be because because uh, if you if this beer takes off, yeah, you got to have to buy a lot
0: more barrels, aren't you? Well, you <laughs> or know, find other ways to ferment. Sure, and I think that's part of this too. Is you're, you're always going to have some beers that, due to the realities of how they're made, they're going to be less available than. Others, you know, we want to make sure that we're offering a wide variety of stuff and that we're constantly working to make the tap room a unique place to come and have people experience everything that we're about. This yeah. is our facility where we can control our message from the grain all the way to the pint glass, and it's really important to us that we can have a variety of beers that tell that story and allow our, our servers and our bartenders to really take care of everybody and show them what we're really all about. Yeah, yeah. by the way, guys, I have 20 taps here, unique taps. And if you're familiar with the Laughing Skull brand, they have
2: that, you know, three different types of Laughing Skull. But they also have so many other styles of beer. One of the things we're going to get into is a, I guess, an older Red Brick beer, mm-hmm. but it's
0: a new Red Brick beer now. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Uh, Hoplana is a recipe that I inherited when I came in the door here. And it's, it's I, I would say, one of the, the classic Atlanta IPAs. It's mm-hmm. been around in the market for a long time now. And we had some conversations about it, about how we could really revitalize this beer and make it competitive with some of the stuff that people are really going crazy for in the marketplace, which is awesome that, that that's happening. Um, one of the things I think is IPA is it's a new style, right? You know, really? it's, it's just not that old and it's still evolving. People are still trying to figure out what IPA means and what's the right way to balance and express these different flavors that people expect out of these beers, mm-hmm. what's the right level of bitterness. And so we wanted to modernize this beer a little bit. Um, I think the biggest change we made is we made we created a focus to the beer. So we focus on a couple of malt notes and a couple of hop notes and really just let them shine, make the beer cleaned up a little bit. Um, the hop character is Eureka and Columbus and Calypso. Nice. And so those three hops, you'll get a little bit of tropical fruit on the back end of the finish of the beer. Uh, up front, you'll get a huge amount of pine and some dankness as well. Um, that dank. And really kind of focus on those things and let that beer shine. Yeah, it's... Because like I had the previous
2: Hoplanta, and it was a fine beer. It wasn't bad. I mean, I would still buy it out, but it this is this is edgy. This is different. This is what the new wave of IPA is. How tough was it to kind of
0: get that changed, or was it tough to get it changed? Well, you know, this kind of goes back to my previous experience. Um, inheriting a recipe is a very different experience than writing a recipe mm-hmm. because there's already a soul to what people are expecting out of that beer, and it's a very different challenge to maintain what's special about that beer while making sure the recipe is everything that it can be. And this is a problem that Neil and I have visited for a long time at Wrecking Bar, kind of playing around with, with Victor IPA, playing around with different beers mm-hmm. there and uh, and having the same kind of work um, on that smaller system. So it's it's something that I was excited to do. It's always something you have to have a lot of respect for when you take someone else's work mm-hmm. that they've worked on for a long time and try to make changes to it. You need to make sure they're the right changes and that you're honoring Right, because that, that this beer is like
2: two or three brewers ahead of you old.
0: Yeah, it is. It is because <laughs> it was like before Steve and it's, it's be- <laughs> yeah. This is a this is a recipe that a lot that a lot of people have worked on for a long time, mm-hmm. and so you know there's a, there's an amount of that that for me is just about making sure that you respect those people and what their intention was when they re- put this recipe together, and not not just try to overhaul the whole thing.
2: Right, and by the way, so we mentioned. Earlier, the first beer we had was a Penguin Pale Ale. Now we're doing an IPA. For the audience, the difference between
0: Pale Ale and IPA.
2: Yeah. Um, so that's one of the more confusing things
0: sometimes in beer. People don't under, understand that unless they really know. But yeah, go ahead. Sure. I mean, I guess, I guess if you really wanted to kind of keep it super simple, uh, you could yeah. just say that, you know, a Pale Ale is going to have a little bit of a lower alcohol content, and you're going to have a little bit less of an expressive hop character in mm. terms of how robust that hopping is going to be. Um, the reality of it is that no one really knows. And there, <laughs> there is overlap, right? I've seen pale ales come right. in at 6%. I've seen IPAs come in at 5%. I've seen some really hoppy pale ales. Yeah, yeah. And, and session IPAs kind of cloud the waters even further because then you all of a sudden you want to hop something like an IPA, but you then you want to keep it down under, under 5%. Well, how does that fall into the pale ale category? And so, um, especially with some of this new stuff now where we're kind of Violating all of the you know the BJCP guidelines of what these beers are supposed to taste like, but right. Creating these more contemporary things that I call them or newer things that are maybe a little bit more outside of the traditional realm. It's it's a it's a little bit blurry, but I would say for me, a pale ale is a little bit more of a balance between malt and hops, and it comes in closer to five to five and a half percent. Mm-hmm. And an IPA is typically over six percent and is allowed to be a lot more hop forward with a little bit more bitterness as well. Fair enough. But
2: now we're gonna get out of the hops a little bit. Yeah, we we're gonna go all the way out of the hops.
0: Yeah, we're gonna go to the other end of the spectrum. Um, We we have had for a long time here a beer called Vanilla Gorilla, which is our it's our Imperial Porter with vanilla beans. Uh, Mm. And so and so we thought. And you guys use real vanilla, by the way. I I've seen it back there real yeah you learned you learned early that that is no joke and that's that's better for me you know mm-hmm. everything we did we did a bunch of variants for this beer and we used all whole food ingredients if we wanted to put almonds in the vanilla gorilla well then we were going to go buy almonds and we were going to toast them and throw them in a bag and age the beer on them and if we're going to do you know, cacao nibs, it was going to be the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so for this beer here, uh, we we wanted to do a variant that wasn't based on adding a food adjunct. We did three of those. They were all super fun. Mm-hmm. We did a hazelnut and cacao nib, uh, cinnamon and almond, and then we also did a coffee and coconut. And those were great. Right. Uh, but I wanted to do something that was more about the base beer itself. So this was the, the impetus for that second project with Whiskey Barrels. We took... Um, unused whiskey barrels, freshly emptied whiskey barrels that had been used for beer, and we fermented vanilla gorilla in those barrels, Um, which for me kind of opened my mind to what that could do for the beer itself. Uh, A lot of soft oak, some really interesting spirit component to how you get that whiskey and how you perceive it in the beer, and just really feels like the barrel is well integrated for the amount of time that it's spent in that barrel. We really... Gave it about you know between a primary and secondary fermentation. We let it rest in those barrels for about four weeks, and that's it. And, wow. and I feel like there's a there's a, a delicate balance there between um, beer and barrel without letting the barrel overwhelm the base yeah. beer. I think sometimes barrels can become
2: like the new hops, meaning like all right, you can brew a crappy beer, but they throw a bunch of hops in it, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's hops. Like oh, I shouldn't have said that. Um, or it's no comment. <laughs> Or it's, you know, whatever. So I think sometimes with a barrel, like, you can, like, literally take a turret, put it in a barrel, and all of a sudden it's...
0: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, we we said that all the time. Um, something that kind of goes back a long ways for me um, in, in my old brewing days, too, is spending a lot of time trying to communicate to people that you can't, you can't take a bad base beer and add stuff to it to make it good. Right. Yeah. Um, the base beer itself and the integrity and the quality of the base beer is what's going to allow those other ingredients to shine through. And a good example of that would be, you know, shout out to Wrecking Bar, would be the Mexican Siberian. Uh, fun beer, an awesome beer, but the reason that beer is great is because there's an unbelievable imperial stout that's right. behind that beer. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I just don't think that you're going to be able to, to ever hide flaws in a beer by trying to put adjuncts on top of it. And so earlier we talked about everything. Talk about
2: this brewery being one of the oldest, but how do I say this? There had been a
0: period where you, you say know, it however
2: you want to. They, well, I try to be respectful, but you know, <laughs> but you know, there
0: had been a period where you guys had lost some equity. Yeah, that's fair. That's, I think that's true. Yeah. How do you get that back? Um, I, I I think it's pretty simple. Honestly, I think it's just beer quality, um, making decisions in this building that are focused exclusively on the quality of the beer that's coming out of the building you know there's 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 a lot more to it than that in of terms course. of sales and marketing and what the package looks like and what how people want to interact with it and all that's really important but none of it matters unless the quality of the beer in the package is of a high standard and and so that's kind of that's kind of the, what the message that I want to bring here and that's how we've been talking about it from my first day here, and these guys, you know, they're they're 100% on board, and they're awesome. It's not me making the beer. I actually just tell people what to do. There's a lot of, a lot of talented people that actually make the beer and make it possible.
2: Nice. And then, real quick, talk, tell us about your system here.
0: Now you mentioned a little bit about it, but give us a little bit more about the specs on it Absolutely, sure uh, So this is a 50 barrel brew house uh, the, the mash tun is, is probably one of the most unique and crazy mash tuns you've ever old seen Old school, it is, man It's old, it's <laughs> copper plated, it looks like a flying saucer It is It is a crazy thing <laughs> I love looking at that thing, man. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't been here, I, I would say it's worth coming out and buying a beer. Just to, if you if you're into systems and you like looking at brewery setups, I'd say this place is one of the more unique ones around town. Yeah, so come out for that. Look, it got
2: old school kind of footer looking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple. So we actually have a couple of tanks that are uh, they they're British tanks. I think they're yeah. built in the '70s, mm-hmm. and they're single jacketed tanks that actually and, have. And those
2: are from plates. the original from the original brew house,
0: right? Like they are. Those yeah. are twenty
2: four years old and still. Old.
0: Uh, and we don't put beer in those anymore. So the one, the, there's one in the back of the brewery by the by the bright tanks now. Yeah. That's our cold liquor tank. So that's just for cold water storage. And then nice. we've got two of them in the front of the brewery, close to the tap room, that are for hot water storage as well. Nice. Um, but yeah, up until up until I'd say maybe five years ago, those were active fermenters. And wow. um, it's it's kind of cool to have a brewery that with that history. Our grain our mill is from the 1920s. It's, uh, wow. it's a crazy thing to behold. Oh, school And tell us about water treatment. What are you guys doing to water here? Um, so I tell everybody that, that wants to know about water that one of the best places in the country to brew beer is Atlanta because we're one of the only spots in the country that really has access to surface water for mm-hmm. their drinking water. Um, there's really very few mineral deposits although you con- you constantly have to monitor what right. your water reports are telling you. Um, we're, we're building water tables on a beer per beer basis. Everything is getting some kind of treatment. The primary salts that we're using our gypsum salt. Um, we're using a little bit of epsom salt, depending on very style dependent kind of. Way. Of course, yeah. And calcium chloride, uh, mm-hmm. baking soda. Believe it or not. So do you carbon RO or? No, no, we no. don't. We we do have a we do have like a modest filtration system here that okay. we're looking to make a little bit more robust in the. Next six months, um, nice. But as of right now, um, we're, major key. We're basically pulling chlorine, and we're we're rolling with what we got. Nice. And then on the brewery side, um, I don't
2: if I'm correct. I don't see a centrifuge, right?
0: That's there is a centrifuge. There's centrifuge. Excuse yes, me. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So we don't filter anything. We run we run all of our beer through the centrifuge. Nice. And that
2: gives, a, particularly for those IPA, particularly for our hop land that you guys are going to plan on selling a lot of, mm-hmm. it, that hop land is going to look the same, Or that penguin pale is going to look the same every time. That's yeah, because you're able, you're able to do that stuff.
0: And uh, I think one thing that, you know, I, I kinda see a lot of discussion about is people saying, you know, like a beer whether it's whether it's a little bit turbid or whether it's clear, you know, making sure that, you know, the last thing in the world I want to do when someone finishes a pint of anything we're serving is to see a film on the bottom of that glass and to think, oh am mm. I mean, I'm drinking a bunch of yeast? Uh and so everything gets sent through the centrifuge. You know, we, we on some of our beers that are more aggressively hopped are happy to maintain a little bit of extra hop haze on those. That right. doesn't bother me at all. But at the same time, too, we want to make sure that what we're serving people is just the stuff that they want to be drinking. And nice.
2: And i tell you what, another place we get served what you want to be drinking. Here on Beard is on the CSPN Network. We're here at Red Brick with Gavin McKenna, Director of Brewing Ops. We're going to come back for our six-pack segment. There'll be six quick fun questions, you know, some beer, some not beer. Going to have a little fun with my man, Gavin. Stick and stay. Beer it is. We'll be right back.
1: Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit our website at cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Amazon link, and then you can shop for all kinds of great stuff with Amazon's awesome two-day shipping. You can even sign up for Amazon Prime and get free two-day shipping and access to even more great deals. So, whether it's for music, movies, jewelry, school supplies, Halloween costumes, you name it, Amazon's got it, and you can get it shipped right to your door in a matter of days or even one day but all you got to do to keep our podcast free is visit our site again that is cspn.us cspn.us then click on the keep our podcast free link a portion of your sales will go towards helping to keep our podcast free and you will get great service from amazon it is a win-win for everybody so once more cspn.us keep our podcast free and then shop at amazon do it today
2: Alright boys and girls, once again my name is Nubias Woolborn. the name of the marquee is Beer It Is, here on the CSPN Network, shout out to the classics, shout out to Melanie for allowing me to do this each and every week and shout out to the good folks at Amazon and all our fine sponsors for allowing us to do this absolutely free for you guys but do us one favor whether it's on Google Play, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Stitcher wherever you find our show hit the subscribe button also do the little surveys tell us what you think Give me five stars because I'm pretty fantastic. But if you don't, that's okay. Tell them what you don't like or what you do like so we can improve, do those surveys, click on subscribe, and tell at least five of your friends. So anyway, we're back here at Red Brick with my man, Gavin McKinnon.
0: First of all, Gavin, man, thank you so much for bringing us to this brewery and allowing us to come in here, man. So happy to have you. And for what it's worth, I definitely think, new buys, I think you're worth five stars. Oh, you're
2: so kind, man.
0: <laughs> Shout out to you. Let's get into this, our favorite segment here, last segment.
2: We're going to wrap it up, Uh our six-pack. And basically what this is is six quick questions. They're fun. They're beer. They're not beer. Sure. Whatever. So we're going to start with question number one. All right. You're at a table of four. Okay. What
0: beer are you drinking and who are you having that beer with? Well, my wife's at the table. There's no question. Uh, My brother's there. He's got to be there. And then, and then his girlfriend's got to come. But if she can't make it, then I'll have my best friend, Chris. How's that? <laughs> All and, right, and cool. what am I drinking? Um, dependent. I, I think that's really dependent. But knowing how most beer lists are and not being sure what's on that list, I'm, I'm going to order a Sierra Nevada Paleo. Well, or better yet, let's say
2: if it's a beer that you could choose, what would it be? Now, if it's any beer
0: in the world. Any beer in the world? Yeah, any beer in the world. Any beer in the world. Any beer in the world. I'm going to have a... I'm going to have an... Aventinus, Hellas. Ooh, fancy. Nice. nice. Nice, right?
2: All right, break it open, share it with the four people, and that's your crew. I think everybody's going to like it, yeah. I think nice. So. All right, that's question
0: one. Right. Question
2: two, what was your first good craft beer?
0: Harpoon IPA. Uh, I vividly remember, you know, uh, a friend of mine going over to his house and, you know, just, just turning 21 and be able to raid his dad's fridge a little bit and um, <laughs> nice. and find some Harpoon IPA in there. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I remember opening that beer, and I took a sip of it, and the first thing I said to him was, this beer tastes like leaves. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like I wasn't sure if I liked it. You know, it was a little mm-hmm. bit intense for me. And, but at the end of that first bottle, I, I knew that that's what I, wanted, that's what I wanted to have more of, you know. Nice. Who do you want to meet in brewing that you haven't? Who do I want to meet in brewing? Um, it's a great question. There's a lot of names floating through my head but I think I'd have to say Dr. Charlie Bamforth. Nice. Yeah. Take it all the way back. I think I think that's who it would have to be. I've had the privilege of meeting some people that I highly respect, and I've had my fanboy moments, um, but I think I think Dr. Bamforth, that's who I have to go with. And that brings us to question four. Who
2: did you have your first fanboy beer moment with? Do you remember?
0: My first one? Ooh. Um... Well, I can give you a couple quick ones. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I had an awesome, an awesome moment. We had the privilege of having John Palmer visit uh, the Wrecking Bar, and to do a book talk. He's the guy that wrote the, the, the. the quintessential book on brewing water chemistry deep yeah deep yeah. beer on water literally. and uh, he is um an ama- an amazingly smart person and and be, to be able to meet him and to be able to talk water with him a little bit was, wow. was a, a pretty pretty incredible opportunity the other one we were it was funny we were um right after a new realm had gotten announced which is opening in the city soon yeah uh neil and i were sitting at the bar talking to talking to a, a malt supplier and um i heard our multiplier say oh hey hey mitch how are you and i turned over And uh, Mitch Steele was sitting next to me. And that was... I don't want to be uncool. You know, hi, Mitch, if you're out there. But it was was, was a cool moment to be able to sit and drink an IPA that I made with him. The guy that wrote the book called IPA. That was uh, was special for me. So,
1: I guess
2: as a side real quick, what was that like sitting... I mean, because, by the way, Mitch Steele, Stone Brewing, now coming to Atlanta, put a place called New Realm, which should be on in the next month or so, from what I understand. Yeah, that's the understanding I have, yeah. They're coming pretty quick. What was it like sitting there... With him in your place, drinking beer you
0: did, man. How'd that feel? Uh, it, it was terrible. It was very nerve-wracking and scary, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest about it. But, I mean, you know, after, after I guess, what couldn't have been more than two minutes, it was one of the better experiences I've had in this industry. <laughs> He's such a welcoming and kind person. and. Uh, just an awesome guy to be able to uh, to be able to talk to. So it it went it went a full range of emotions. Wow. A fast so were you thinking like, oh my God, I hope I got everything right out of this beer because
2: Miss Steele's about to drink this. Shit.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting there watching them pour it, and I'm fretting over whether or not they're rinsing the glass properly. Oh God, cause you know, oh, to God, cause you know he's gonna notice just, everything, right? And then I'm worried about you know as he's <laughs> drinking it, whether whether it's got you know what he's looking for, and if there's oh, anything that we could have done better. Is it's our single 2 right? off? Is the line clean? Yeah, this this I mean this you know no matter how much you prep for a moment like that, there's a million things that. And, I mean, that's, that's part of it too, right? You know, the lesson there, which is one that we've learned a long time ago, is to make sure that every pint you sell could be served to that person that you have the utmost respect for and to make sure that you're always treating everybody with that much respect that you would for an industry professional. All right. Question five. Where do you see Redbrick in two years? Where do I see Redbrick in two years? Um, I'll be honest with you. I see our distribution footprint as being a little bit less. Uh, we're currently all through the southeast. Um, we want to focus on Atlanta. And I see us. I see us being one of the marquee names in craft beer in the city. Oh wow, that's bold! I mean, hey, you know, you don't, I like you it are, you don't play for third place, right? Oh. Um, I think that I think we have the people here. I think we have the equipment here, and um, I think I have found myself in a really awesome situation to be able to make that a possibility. All right. And last question: What makes you happiest about beer? What makes me happiest about beer is how accessible it is. Um, I can sit and I can have a beer with someone that's never spent five minutes in their life thinking of beer, about beer, other than I like the way it tastes. And I can spend I can spend hours having a conversation that's built entirely around some of the complexities and intricacies of beer. Wow! And then I love you know I love I love that. Compared to other spirits and wines, you know the the market, and this is changing a little bit. But yeah. the market for beer is is all built around pint prices, and it's very accessible, and it's for it's for anyone. It's it's a it's a social lubricant, like like you said to me earlier, and it's a it's very much a, an, an honest and and fairly priced commodity, and I love that. Nice. And then bonus question: What are you drinking in Atlanta other than your stuff right now? I have to give a shout-out to Three Taverns. I'm drinking Prince of Pilsen. That's in my fridge right now. Oh, that joint is so good. Yeah. I'm, I'm shout-out drink-
2: to Euron and Brian Purcell, Absolutely. that crew over there. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I'm drinking Athena. I love the guys at Creature Conference. I, I right, really respect everything yeah. about what they're doing at their operation. Um, and then you know, hey, if, if Neil if Neil lets me bring any beer back to my house, I'm drinking some some Wrecking Bar stuff too. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't get enough of what he's. Because you
2: with. and Neil are still roommates, right?
0: Well, no, Timmy's his roommate. Timmy's his, yeah, Tim, no, Tim, I live yeah. with my wife. I think my wife would kill me if we took on a brewer roommate. But uh, oh god, but especially no, Neil. <laughs>
2: Watch all that Virginia Tech stuff, <laughs> that's, right? Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, you're watching college football all the time. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but no, no, it's it's um, I think. I think that's my short list, but man, there's so much good good beer in the city now, and that's one of the fun things about it is compared to five years ago when I was kind of learning what was happening here and learning the ropes, um, there's... there's unbelievable opportunities to just go out and even at the Kroger or the you know the supermarket down yeah. the street to go buy some really awesome craft beer and that's that's pretty special nice and then real quick we've been
2: we've been talking about the tasting room a little bit and we will we make it with man Trey who's tasting room manager for a quick little 5 minute thing to talk about some of the new tasting room stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, as he's sitting there smiling at us <laughs> as he's on his uh, laptop but um what have you kind of noticed with the new law changes cuz you came from a brew pub Sure. and then
0: now doing this what have you kind of noticed well you that? know it's funny um, yeah. one of the things I've noticed I've been very sensitive to some of the people that have really kind of I think there's been some people that have pulled away from breweries because they feel like the value isn't there anymore hey guys spo- oh, let's be real can I say this yeah please. I'm going to say this yeah you guys are assholes. You guys got spoiled
2: <laughs> by coming in and being able to come to a place like Red Brick or Scufflaw or wherever yep. and pay them ten or twelve or thirteen bucks mm-hmm. and get sh- shit faced. And I can say this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we we'll get hammered, thought, yes. right. you know, and not actually respect the craft of the beer that's being made. So then now people are not
0: coming in as much as buying. Well, and you know, I'd just say quickly, you know, we've we've built that into our pricing. We we want we want for the beers that we can afford to do that with. We want to do that. You yeah. Know? So we, we're looking at our laughing skull pricing. We're we're offering four dollar pints. So you do the math there. And you know, as far as the the old law goes, I think we're I think we're doing above and beyond in terms of volume per ounce what we could have done under those laws. The difference is that we're able to charge fair price for some of the more special stuff we're doing which allows us to have more of the barrel aged right. and more of the expensive ingredient type stuff on the menu at all times which we wouldn't have been able to do under the old law and that's exciting um, I think I think also to be able to offer half pours to be able to offer offer 4 ounce pours for flights and things like that it allows people to build their own experience and that's, that's really cool, it's cool to have that for people And guys, you should be able to come in here and get a barrel aged
2: vanilla Gorilla for 6 pours at $10 it's <laughs> just not fair to these brewers. To well, me, I mean, it's, I can it's, be, yeah. it's
0: only good for us in the sense that if you went out and then bought some at the store down the street, then we could make money on that transaction. But even then, with the wholesale pricing, I think that what you're going to find is that with with the tap room to be able to be something that we charge a fair market price and have people ask for. For unique and different things to try to be competitive for that business, I think you'll find that the quality of the beer in the state will continue to go up as that as that develops.
2: And that's what's most important: quality of beer, people growing it. Real quick, tell people where they can find Red Brick online and on social and all that stuff. Right?
0: Yeah, just you know, have a look for us, Red Brick Brewing Company. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram, if you want to check out what we're doing. See my ugly face from time to time. Nice. Otherwise, uh, we are we are all through the southeast. You'll find us occasionally in North Carolina. At the right store, the red right package store, as well as, I think we're reopening Nashville in the near future. Nice. North, North, That's North a good, Florida. interesting market, Nashville. It's growing, yeah. Yeah, it's an awesome place. My wife was up there for work recently, and I had a chance to explore some really cool beer stuff going nice. on. Nice. Bitter well. Iris is doing some crazy stuff. Everybody awesome. talks about them awesome and so yeah. Yeah. No question. Um, and so, you know, you'll see us spottily throughout that market in the southeast, but really, if you want to come see what we're all about, it's all about Atlanta. We want to take care of our home turf. We want to set our own table and feed our people before we start worrying about what else is happening and other in other parts of the country. And
2: then last thing, um, it's still eighty degrees outside in the middle of October, but <laughs> eventually it's going to get cool. Already, you guys already had the porter out, the vanilla gorilla, uh-huh. the variants of that, was, by the way, those bottles are twelve bucks. You can come here to the brewery yep. and you can buy the whole set. There's four different ones. We still got a few, yeah. They still got a few, so you may want to hurry, but I mean I don't know how long they're gonna last. But they're at a good they're a good price point, I think, for what the quality of that beer is. Thank but you. then two. What's coming for
0: the late fall and the winter? Sure. I'll uh, do a little preview for you. We have, we have reworked the Divine Bovine, which is our chai spice milk stout. That's uh, a fun beer. It's super fun. It was, it was another one of those beers that I felt when I got in. I can't wait to put my hands on that and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And we've worked on a, on a spice blend uh, using whole spices uh, that, that we really love that we think is going to take the beer to the next level. Um, looking into the winter. Without giving too much away, I can definitely say we're going to have a barrel-aged stout release this winter, Mm. and I can definitely say that we're looking at doing a double IPA release before the end of the year as well that I think will be something people will be very excited about. Nice. So,
2: guys, we'll be on the Twitter. We'll be looking out to have their Twitter and their stuff. Trey does a decent job, somewhat of a decent job, of updating the tap list Online and everything. No, he does a great job. I'm just messing with him because he's <laughs> sitting there smiling at us. But seriously, <laughs> this, this is one of the brews that does a good job of updating their tap list. So come out of Chaparral, twenty three, twenty three to four drive, right here in I guess it's Midtown.
0: I guess, I guess they're calling it West Midtown. West Midtown, whatever. Whatever that's worth to anyone. G- g- ways all those Google apps, they'll get you here. If you know how to get to Hancook Taqueria or if you know how to get to Nuevo Laredo, you find good Mexican food on the west side and you're almost there. There you go. They yeah. take you right there and by the food truck park, all that stuff. Like, yep. You'll get here. Guys,
2: Gavin, thank you so much for Thank you,
0: guys I appreciate it, man. Thank you for hosting and coming by.
2: No problem. Guys, this has been Here It Is with Red Brick with Gavin, director of Brewer Ops like i said and i've said this before i said it online i've written it i'm gonna say it again you know the brewery lost some equity but they're growing come back check them out i think they're gonna be the new hotness in this city real soon thank you man appreciate the time all right and we're out